the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Check out theathletic.com slash spot track today. Get yourself 40% off. Download the app, personalize it with your favorite teams and sports. You get an updated newsfeed every single morning, no ads, the best content out there. Loads of it, by the way, not just long form articles, but commentary, podcasts, the works. Theathletic.com slash spot track, 40% off for 2021. You will be pleasantly surprised. Here's the deal today. Bringing in Scott Allen on just a moment here. We're going to discuss this James Harden situation and the beautiful symmetry in Houston right now. And uh, then Paige Demakos from the Draft Network breaks down what we saw in college football, some of the top prospects, how the draft might shake out, and of course, her beloved yet disgruntled Chicago Bears. Plenty to get to with that with Paige. Real quick though, off the top here, I want to switch to baseball. I don't believe it or not. It's not Mets related, but it's still worth my time. Uh, you know, free agency is starting to kick up. The arbitration decidings for the guys that are trying to avoid arbitration is is actually Friday. So we're about 48 hours away from, you know, got things getting serious in terms of teams having to delegate and, and go to arbitration filings and whatnot. So we're going to see probably a dozen or so pretty notable, notable names avoid arbitration in the next couple of days get themselves under contract, get ready for spring training, which is really just a month away for a lot of these teams. Fingers crossed. What I want to focus on quickly is one of the bigger free agent contracts. Actually, in terms of dollars, the biggest free agent contract that has been signed this offseason in baseball. Liam Hendricks, the closer from the Oakland Athletics, is now a White Sox. And that means that makes them considerably better. I mean, this is a young kid who has been up and down the relief pitching, you know, the, the ladder a bit. He locks in what looks like three for 54, three years, $54 million. But there's a little bit of creativity here, which I actually love. It's actually three for 39 over the next three years. It's 12, then 13, then 14 in terms of actual base salary. There's a $1 million signing bonus to boot. But um, that fourth year is a club option at 15 million. But the buyout of that option is also 15 million. So you're saying, why would they do this? So let's say you know, he's 35 years old. He's past his prime. Chicago needs to get out of this thing. So they decline that option. The $15 million now becomes 2023 cash in terms of payroll. But they've got it built in so that it's going to defer over 10 years. So it's $15 million over 10 years instead of $15 million all in 2024. So if he's still great, they're going to they're going to exercise that option and he's going to make 15 million in 3 years and everybody's going to be happy. If he's not, he still gets the 15, but it turns into a 10-year deferred payment which saves them tax now and tax then. So it's kind of win-win for both sides here assuming he's still a pretty good relief pitcher, you know, in the next at least 2 years or so. Um but a little bit of creativity there, which is good to see because Chicago has really spent some money this offseason. They've got a lot of kids that they've extended early, and that's probably not going to stop. But from a baseball move, it's smart. From a tax move, it's smart. You know, It sheds them almost $5 million on the tax by doing it this way. So a little bit of creativity, which I expect to see more of because, like I said, you know, the good players are going to get paid. The not-so-good players are just not. You're going to see a lot of minimum salaries coming out here soon after these arbitration filings and all that pass. So... Need to see a, a kind of sizable contract 
still have some creativity to make sure that from a tax perspective, this team is covered for the next three to four years. You can check all the rest of the signings out, of course, on the MLB free agent tracker at spottrack.com. Let's talk a little bit of basketball and a little bit of combined Houston sports with Scott Allen. Scott, welcome back. Happy Wednesday. Uh, look, basketball's a mess. The NBA and yes. college, college as well. I mean, everything's a mess in terms of the indoor sports right now. So let's let's be honest. And as we sit here, hours away from puck drop in the NHL, I, I'm terrified that it's going to go about the same there as well, because we're seeing just you know multiple multiple postponements in the NBA every single night. Um, you know, I, I know yeah. I know you're a big NBA DFS player. How's that going for you? <laughs> not not so well. Uh, I, I did one yesterday and I regretted it and I should have canceled, but I didn't. And uh, just seems you like know, you're throwing money away. <laughs> it, 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 exactly. Because you're at a point where it, 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 unless you're diving extremely into the stats, which I, I, I dabble in enough to know for the most part who I want to pick, but you know, what, rosters are like i said last time rosters are down to you know the last 10 to 17 guys on the roster and you, you sort of have to throw darts at the wall and hope that you're picking the right guy at the right time uh we just saw the just came across the third game for today has been postponed yeah so they're 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 dropping like flies, and you know you have to go with it. I just went through and I updated the rosters from yesterday, um, and you know we got guys in teams with in health protocols and uh, like I said injuries. But it's every day, every hour, something new is coming up, and whether it's being you know canceled or not, and last minute pullouts of of because of health protocols and it is it's making it difficult has the g league even tried i know they're going to the bubble um i know they just had the draft are they going to orlando scott i haven't heard that yeah they're going to orlando from Mm. everything that i've read and everything they they did the draft i think at the beginning of the week or over the weekend um Admiral Schofield was the number one draft that I saw for that. And that's all that I saw hmm. come across my notifications. But as of right now, they are moving forward with it, with the teams that opted in to go forward. Interesting. And what about like the taxi squad, the two-way guys? Is that, is that, I would imagine that's been huge. They're, well, those guys are part of the roster. So that the, the teams are pretty much having 17 on the roster and, you know, teams that are not able to play because of the contact tracing or injuries, you know, we're, we're seeing teams down to eight guys being played. Hmm. You know, some of the rules, I, I, I can't follow and understand some of the rules because we the, have the Philadelphia. Tracing, one, you mean? Yeah. Well, well not, not, not necessarily that, but their rules are you're supposed to have eight active players to have a game, but the Philadelphia 76ers last week only had seven guys active and they played that game. The Miami Heat, I think they only had like seven, maybe eight, but the, the amount of guys that I put in for health protocols or injuries on that team, I mean, it, it was at least eight or nine guys right there. So teams are flirting with the, with the threshold. And, and like I said, some, some teams are below that eight, they're playing with seven or they're at that eight and they're allowing the teams to play. So, um, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, the, the team that I want to talk about did play 
they have played and they played last night. And that's the Houston Rockets. Uh, I watched about 14 seconds of this game. I was flipping around. I landed on the NBA network, saw that they had Lakers Houston. And I thought to myself, oh, this is probably a good game. And then the Lakers were up 25. <laughs> and Harden was, I don't know, throwing the ball off the back of the rim. I, I assume you didn't watch this. It was kind of later in the night. Yeah, I didn't catch it. Okay. So it's pretty much all the rage right now because he kind of floated himself through that game. And by the way, LeBron and AD were balling. Not sitting on the three-point line waiting for the ball to get to them. They were playing high-intensity basketball. I don't know if they had a chip and they just wanted to beat the hell out of that Rockets team. But I know you mentioned on the last show, Scott, that they played almost every game and they're playing well. This is not sit back and let the regular season play out and then we're going to go. That's not what this Lakers team looks like. That may happen you know, in March or in April. And I would, I would probably vote for them to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's probably good business for them to do that. But they are trying to get out of this gate fast and they look really good. So put the Lakers well, aside here. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, it's, it's smart by them to do that because, you know, with the teams that are getting decimated by injuries and protocols and, and they really have not, I mean, they've had some injuries on the back end of their roster, but if they can give themselves enough of a buffer of games uh, above the number two, three, four teams in the West, mm -hmm. you know, that th they'll be able to pull back at some point knowing that they have that cushion. I think that's what I'm saying um, too. Yeah. Get out and do it now. Get it done now. Um, because quite frankly, and I think you were kind of alluding to it, there might be a pause anyway. There may be. <laughs> so, you know, you want to be in, in pretty good shape here. It, if, and when that does happen, it might, that might be a real thing, by the way. Anyway, Harden looked like garbage. Harden looked like he was going about 50% speed, especially in comparison to the Lakers players. And then he got in front of the microphone and basically said, you know what? No, <laughs> this isn't working. You know, we're not good. Yeah. We're not contenders. Well, of course not. <laughs> right? Of course not. Half of you, you know, no Westbrook. John Wall's trying to find a sea leg still. There's a lot of moving parts. Brand new coach, probably brand new system. You know, one, you know, four of the starting five are pretty much brand new here. And that's just a fact. So what did, what did, I'm not sure what he expected. The only takeaway is that this is just another ploy for him. And it's funny because I feel like yesterday morning, so many people were saying, Hey, the Harden stuff has really quieted down. In fact, you and I said it Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it's really we quieted did. down. Maybe they're really giving this a, a fighting chance to see where they can get to. Well, that lasted about 12 hours because Harden was terrible and then literally let everybody know how much he hates being where he is. I, I find it so interesting the parallel between the Houston Rockets and the Houston Texans right now. It, it is so interesting to me. If you think about it, the Texans last year, last offseason, traded DeAndre Hopkins pretty much because DeAndre Hopkins wanted out. Then, flash forward, they have a 4 and 12 season. Deshaun Watson is now in front of a microphone saying, You know, I want to handle on the coach. I want to handle on the GM. I want to be able to, to make sure this is a fit for me. Boy, that sounds familiar, right? That was basically Russell Westbrook and James Harden a couple of months ago when D'Antoni decided he was leaving. And the G and Maury then, then ended up leaving, you know, then when the coach was decided, both Harden and Westbrook said, this isn't going to work for me. So Harden gets traded. So the number two gets traded. That's essentially the DeAndre Hopkins move. And of course, immediately after that, now Deshaun Watson slash James Harden are showing their discontent for not only the, the, the play, 
you know, the, the football slash basketball side of it, but also the entire front office. They're putting everything under the bus here. So couldn't be more parallel, just a couple of miles apart from each other in the same city. So I feel terrible for Houston fans, honestly, for what they've had to go through here with really two teams that have been perennial contenders. I mean, Houston's been in the playoffs. The Texans have been in the playoffs for the NFL now, you know, this year withstanding for quite a good run. So it could all really blow up really fast for both these organizations if there's not some really smart business. What happens here? What do you do? I guess, do you have any handle on the financial ramifications if James Harden just says, I, I need to stop playing? Not like Kyrie. I think we're going to find out that the Kyrie situation is a little bit bigger than, you know, I don't like my current situation. I don't like the basketball being played. I need to step away. I don't think Kyrie's going through that at all, certainly with, you know, the, the Brooklyn team being as good as they are. But I, I think we're going to get to that Jimmy Butler point here, Scott, where Harden's just going to stop showing up for practice. Harden's going to stop putting in any kind of effort with this team. He's not going to, you know, put any kind of effort to try in the games because that's the only way he can get himself out of here is to say, all right, if I'm not going to be good enough for you, you'll leave, you'll let me go. Is that where we're going? Sounds like it. The The only thing that financially that could happen is they suspend them for, you know, detrimental to the team. But at that point, um, I don't know. But does he lose does, his salary in that instance? Well, no, he doesn't. If, right? If the, league, if the league suspends him, then he could lose a portion and it gets tax implications where, you know, it's a, a portion of that is removed from the tax itself. You know, this is this is not good for Houston as a whole. I just pulled up where I just pulled up Tankathon to see the 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 how the um, draft would look. Mm-hmm. And based on the scenarios right now, Houston's fifth worst and their pick would go to Oklahoma City based on all <laughs> of the stuff that's based on all of the scenarios that have gone on because it's an unprotected. But then Oklahoma City has a situation with Miami and Houston where Correct. they can take the t- two of the better. So right now, Oklahoma City would be at five and at 10 because of how things would fall. And Houston would go from five and be at 14, according to this. So, you know, from a, a draft standpoint, yeah, they're not good, but they're not going to get necessarily uh, a top lottery pick for being bad. So if if that is going to be the case, they either Scott, need to what get is the together. threshold? How bad do they have to be to have that to have a pick, a good pick? Do you have that in front of you? Well, it, it's it's based on like or, I said, it's based on the Miami pick as well. So it's um Houston would get the worst of the Oklahoma City, Miami, Houston, wherever things line up. So um So is there any end up, is it like the Texans where there was absolutely no incentive for them to lose? Because that's another parallel I'm starting to see here. I mean, they didn't have the first. That's why Miami has the number three pick right now. The, the, the well, Texans and, had no incentive to be bad. So if you're telling me that they trade James Harden, but they still have no incentive to be bad what's the game plan here? Shouldn't they go and get four <laughs> NBA ready players and try to be better? And yeah. And that's where I was going. Oh, sorry. Houston, Houston, Houston doesn't want to lose. So they either, either need to get it together and figure whatever is going on between them and James Harden and get, get their act together and start winning games, or they need to move him now and 
bring back some players, but the problem is we're Who's still in the, the trade. Well, we're still in the trade restriction from the uh, free agency signing. Right. So n- nothing like that is going to happen. There's still about like 25 to 30 percent of the team uh, players that can't be traded right now. Uh, so th- they're sort of in a, a rock and a hard place, but they're going to have to figure out what they want to do because right now. Even if they're banking on a, a draft pick to be a lottery pick to sort of revamp and do sort of like the Golden State Warriors <laughs> so did, they, they can't do that. So um, it, it's it's a hard situation for that front office. And, you know, the, the lesser of two evils is probably suck it up, move him and get some players back that could win and, and at least get them to where the pick that is going to go to Oklahoma city is not a perennial uh, top pick because everyone is saying this draft that's coming up is yeah. a draft that you want to be in. And the fact that Oklahoma city could, could take that and you know, top five that gives their percentage at, Ten and a half percent of getting the number one overall pick. So <laughs> losing only incentivizes Oklahoma City at this point. Not so interesting. Own. Texans and, and it, Rockets, it they're the same freaking team. Okay. It is. There's only one. You said it. There's only one team that should trade for James Harden. Only one for both sides of this. Do you, do you know what it is? You just said it. Oklahoma City? No. Golden State, uh, Scott. My- Golden State's oh, Golden the State. only team because they are in the exact opposite condition. Yeah, they're paying already. They're paying everything. They're going to go way over. We talked about how me- how messy that tax situation is. They absolutely need to win to justify anything right now. And yes, he's a disaster. And yes, he has tried to torpedo every team he- that that has been built around him. And yes, his off the court stuff is questionable. But who cares? But you put him on Steve Kerr's roster with Steph Curry sitting next to him, somebody who's a bigger figure. Steph Curry is a bigger figure in this league than James Harden. There's no way around that. I'm not sure he's a better player, Steph Curry, but he holds more weight in this league for a lot of reasons. You put those two in the backcourt together with Steve Kerr as the coach. You give up Wiggins. You give up Draymond. Whatever you have to do, it's, it's very doable with the big salaries on that roster to make it work. And oh, by the way, those players then come to Houston. It's not a horrible fit, you know, with Christian Wood and, and John Wall. That's not a horrible team. If you put Wiggins and a couple of pieces from Golden State on that roster, I think everybody says yes to this. I think Golden State now instantly becomes a seven seed kind of thing in the in the West with that backcourt. How can it not be? You know, the only question then becomes what happens when Clay comes back. <laughs> but I think you deal with that down the road. That's the yes. only team that should do this, in my opinion. You don't put him on a bad team because you don't want bad players coming back. You know, you just answered that, Scott. Houston can't do this for draft picks. They can't. They're going to get picks, but they can't just say, give me whatever off of, you know, Minnesota. Eh, that's a bad example. There's actually some good players in Minnesota, but you know, you know what I'm saying? The worst team, the Cleveland Cavaliers are not a candidate for James Harden, is my point. <laughs> Right. The New York Knicks, probably not a candidate for James Harden because Houston should never do that trade. That's this is where it's going to end up, in my opinion. Bob Myers is going to say, all right, I hate this, but he's done moves he's hated before. But this is the right move for both sides. Talk me off that ledge. 
No, I'm not going to talk you off that ledge. Uh, because they do. I mean, you can move Wiseman, you can move Wiggins, you can move any of these other players. Um, so you could, the salary matching would work. You know, Golden State's an interesting combination as well, uh, combination there because they're supposed to get Minnesota's number one pick. So right now, Golden State is sitting at number four in the draft. It's unbelievable, it's Scott. Three, These it's, signing it's trades top, are so freaking valuable. It's, it's unbelievable. Minnesota, that pick is a top three protected pick. Wow. So if Minnesota, right now Minnesota's at four, so it goes to Golden State. If Minnesota ends up going to three, two, one, it goes to Minnesota. And then, but, you know, that is a pick that could be dangled. Or if Golden State does this move and Minnesota stays at that four or five range, you know, Golden State could be back in the conversation of yeah. a top lottery pick. Again, you know, so there you no go. One, There's no another one, path then, right? For Houston to say right. yes. So, th- there are a lot of paths that this could work. I mean, no one thought Toronto was going to be two and eight. Detroit yeah. and Washington, yeah, we, we sort of probably saw the writing on the wall. And, you know, th- that's a Washington's another conversation for a different time. But, you know, where both Houston and Golden State are, especially with how this, you know, the draft, like I said, the draft is a draft that teams are going to want to draft in and golden state just happens to be right now at the top. They, and then Oklahoma city has Houston's right now, you know? Yeah. The the moving parts kind of align, don't they? They do. So if they can massage it and if they have to wait a little bit longer to see where some of these records are going to go, or if there's even going to be a pause or however, you know, it, there's so many variables in play that it does make it hard. It's almost like playing DFS. So who do you pick and who do you not because you're throwing darts? It, it, right now, you are sort of throwing darts at, at a wall if you make a trade because you don't know what the rest of the season is. Re- keep in mind, they only released the schedule for the first half of the season, so they don't even have the back half figured out That's because of all this poke postponements, back-to-backs that are going to happen. Everything is – there is no X and Y in, in the equation right now. We're talking about A through Z because there's just so many moving parts, so many different things going on that some of them are out of the control, but some of them are in their control. So Houston has to weigh – do we need to move hard now because of the cancer, because of the uh, we're not winning versus what can I get back for them? And is it going to make us win now while we can win? Um, and then uh, subsequently, Golden State, you know, they what they're six and five right now. So do they want to make that move knowing we drafted Wiseman. Do we want to move him? Does he fit well enough? Can we see him longevity? You know, Kelly Oubre has been the uh, the big meme out there because of him and how he's shooting and the three pointers. I saw I saw a stat yesterday. It was either yesterday or Monday that right now the Warriors in three points made they were um, like. Tw- 25th, 23rd, somewhere around there. If you took off all of Kelly Oubre's three-point shots, they would have projected them back up to fourth in three <laughs> points. That's how that's how bad Kelly Oubre has hurt them from the three-point line. 
Now, is James Harden going to fix that? Uh, yes. Maybe, maybe not. I, hell yes. Hell yes. Well, yeah. Don't he, discount he what kind of player he can be just because right. of what he's going through. You put him on a motivated Correct. situation, which that's why Steve Kerr has to be in this conversation. But, but, has is, to be. but is, is James Harden going to Golden State going to potentially be a Scott, there's a lot to this though. Personally, remember the politics side of it. He wanted out because of the politics of Houston. Yes. San Francisco is a hell of a lot different than that. <laughs> so it is. And Steve Curry is extremely vocal in that regard, not to go down that that path too much. But I, I just see an awful lot of reasons why this should work. The first being Golden State has salaries that can match this easily. No problems. They are not going to need a third team. They're not going to need any other riffraff. If they want to do this tomorrow, it can be done tomorrow. Um, I, I don't really care about the timing. I, I would think the sooner the better for, for Golden State. I mean, they need to win as many games as possible, whether there's going to be a pause or back-to-backs or not. But uh, I, I just can't get my head off of that those two teams for this situation. And now, now that it's back in the spotlight, We've seen these too many times now. Teams just don't sit on their hands anymore. The, the the social media pressure, the publicity pressure, not to mention sponsorships. You know, if your team is wearing a certain sponsorship and the face of that franchise is dragging that team through the mud, well, now there's a ton of money involved. And whenever that's the case, teams just generally say, let's get rid of this situation immediately. I expect it to happen. So that's why we're having this conversation on a Wednesday afternoon because I, I fully expect this to happen now. And if it's not Golden State, I'm going to be upset because I think it works for both sides. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Some teams are just going to... And you can probably buy low in this case because sure. of the situation They know he's got to get out. So, Hell yeah. Right. So if you can buy low to get a perennial Hall of Famer, top whatever you want to call him right now, top five, ten, whatever. Obviously, he's not top five the way he's playing right now, but in the past. And you know what he can do. And, you know, he has been he has been more stable from the injury perspective. He doesn't get injured all the time. He has a body that has been able to take that the the pounding so if you can buy low on that even if it's for a year but you know they, they took they took a shot with kevin durant they had him he wanted to move on so be it you move you trade for james harden yeah you take that chance even for one year if you have to move him again exactly. next that's year, what i'm then, saying then too scott so be it depending on the because clay situation right you just react we're, next we're year seeing we're, we're seeing the 40 million dollars we we used to balk at that. Oh my gosh, how are they going to trade forty million dollars? These these contracts we talked about it at the beginning of the season. They're getting moved no matter what. Chris Paul got moved. Drew Holiday he was up at thirty. That still got moved. You know we're seeing players are still being jockeyed. You know John Wall and yeah. Russell Westbrook got flipped. So if you can buy low in your Golden State and you can you know you upgrade your roster even if you have to flip. You know, Kelly Oubre at that point, or you throw Wiseman because you're, sure. you're not happy with the where things are going. Um, you know, or Wiggins, if you throw Wiggins in there, you know, that's yeah. an upgrade. You, the fact I, that you would have Harden in there is an upgrade. I think the conversation you're points. having here, Scott, where everything should be taken year to year is exactly right. That's exactly what the NBA is now. 
There's multi-year contracts exist, but they're completely movable even before they right. start. I mean, there we're talking about players who have extensions coming up, getting traded that haven't even kicked in yet. You know, I mean, that's that all that stuff happens in the NBA. It, it's it's everything is fluid. It's a completely fluid league. Every team is living for today, and then we'll make it. We'll fix it in in a couple of months if we have to. So that's why every offseason has been so interesting. I, that's exactly right. I, I think there are players on Golden State they want off the roster right now, or 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 could upgrade. James Harden is that upgrade. It is Kevin Durant esque, right? If even if it's a rental, and then if Clay comes back to health, you move him next offseason. Harden, right? I, there's going to be teams again, especially if he comes back into form. And, and I don't want to kill James Harden too much here. There's obviously a lot going on. There's probably a lot going on with Houston in general as well. But it, the overarching theme here with with what he has said, and again last night, is he just wants to win. Now he, I think he's probably self torpedoed <laughs> a few wins already this season because of the roster, you know, demands that he had to some degree. But I, I think he just wants to win. So give him Steve Kerr and Steph Curry and see what the heck happens. I, I'm I'm rooting for that now with this NBA season. Yeah, and you're spot on with you have to go year by year. Yeah, because you know. We don't know what the revenue is going to come back. We don't know what the revenue and the, you know, we know the base cap for next year, but that could go up. You know, if, if the revenue does go down, Golden State's tax bill is going to be reduced based on that percentage down. So that's even more incentive for them to say, all right, let's do this now, knowing that we have this potential of not really having to pay a hundred and whatever million dollars in tax and we're actually going to only pay, you know, 73 or whatever it ends up being, you know, do it now because not to mention Scott, they're running Steph Curry into the ground right now. Yes. And that has to be a major concern. (laughs) So you bring in a compliment to him, not only for, for wins, but for just health and safety. (laughs) Let's just end it there. All right. That's super intriguing. I hope that gets some, some, uh, some legs because that would make things a little bit more interesting. I'm sick of seeing the negatives. Games postponed and uh, Kyrie Irving's partying with his family instead of playing for the Nets. And of course, uh, the the trade demands for James Harden are apparently back. Let's take a break. Then we're going to bring in Paige DeMacos from the Draft Network and talk a little bit about football. Today's episode is sponsored by the Online Betting Guide. Do you consider yourself an NBA expert, knowledgeable in stats, trends, plays, and injuries? Prove your skills against other knowledgeable basketball fans in OLBG.com's NBA Pick'em Contest. It's free to enter, share your NBA picks, and win cash prizes. OLBG.com is a sports betting community where expert handicappers share their predictions that help you make more informed betting decisions. You're learning, you're playing, you're winning money. Show them what you've got today at OLBG.com. That's OLBG.com. Thrilled to have her back on the show. She's at the underscore sports page on Twitter. She's the CEO of the Draft Network. It's their time of year. It's the perfect time to have Paige Demacos back on the Spot Track podcast page. Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy college football season ending year. Uh, what's happening at the Draft Network right now? Uh-huh. What isn't happening yeah. at the Draft Network right now, right? That's kind of the better question. It's, uh, it, as you said in the nice intro, it's that time of the year. Uh, draft season. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of a lot of big franchises, um, you know, well-known markets with with high draft picks that people are excited about. 
you know, for what seemed like forever, we had a lock on the New York Jets and, and Trevor Lawrence. And oh man, did uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets have a new plan for us. So I think that was, you know, kind of exciting to get a, a twist on what was a foregone conclusion from September on, right? So uh, there's a lot going on. There's even a quarterback battle at QB2, right? It seemed like it was going to be Justin Fields and now Zach Wilson's kind of entered the chat. So I'm uh, I'm excited to see where these guys all end up because I think obviously Trevor lock number one, but past that, it, it's very interesting. Okay. So, I mean, you're into the quarterbacks already, which where else do you go at this point? I guess from a global standpoint, and I guess I'm including quarterbacks in this conversation. I think the last time we had you on, we were discussing how this was going to be weird, you know, certainly 2020, but now the 2021 draft going to be weird, you know, to the point of where I think teams have, some of the teams have basically said, I'd rather not draft. Let's try to acquire some actual veteran players. I think we're going to see a lot more of that, by the way, that's coming. But uh, you know, we're heading towards April here. Your your life sits in this draft. Is it going to be normal? <laughs> you know, are these small college players going to be able to get the visibility they usually get, um, even at the quarterback position? Or is it going to be kind of chalk? I mean, that national championship game had, you know, a dozen first round picks, I think, in it. So yeah, is that, where, is that where we're headed? You know, more chalk than ever because of the situation we're all in? I, I think we're going to get a really good idea of the have and the have nots. Right. So I think the, and what I mean by that is who actually is doing the top tier scouting in the NFL. Right. And I think that's, they're, they're going to separate themselves in in this year because it's going to be more about, you know, the connections you have to, to college coaches around the country. Right. If you're a GM and you're a head coach and you're an owner, you're sitting down with your scouting team, much like I am sitting down with my scouting team. And I'm going, guys, we are not going to have the same amount of access and did not have the same amount of access this year to college that we normally have, right? So now is the time to lean on the people that you trust from an evaluation standpoint more than ever before. And I think if you're in an NFL front office, you're doing the exact same thing. And that's where you're going to see the people that are already in what I would say when I when I separate the the good from the bad, I think the separation is just going to get bigger, right? Because that's you're going to see like, oh, these guys know what they're doing, and these guys clearly do not, right? And and I think that's gonna that's gonna happen more than it does on a regular year, right? So I think that's that's where this becomes I think more intriguing, and from you know from the high level we're used to this. Like, I, I, I hate saying that because it sucks that we've become used to this version of what we're dealing with, but we are right. I mean, it's, we're talking, it's January 13th. I left the combine at the beginning of March. And since then I've been living this version of my life. Right. And, and, and prepared for this version of covering sports. And I think the fact that we got an NFL season in was a miracle. Um, the fact that we got a full college football season in even in its weird you know dynamic we still crowned a national champion um we're still going to get the senior bowl in in alabama and mobile which is going to be exceptionally important so we may not get the combine that's and that's going to suck but i think it sucks more for the athletes that have an opportunity to rise than it does for for anybody else so i think that's where you know long-winded answer to the fact that the have and the have nots are going to be more apparent than ever. You're going to have to lean on your connections. And if you're not prepared for this, I don't know what to tell you because we've been doing this for almost a year now. Right. So it's like, you have to have been prepared. And the draft last year was a smash. It was a huge success 
for ESPN, the NFL, doing it all virtual. Yes, will it suck that Cleveland doesn't get to get the draft if they do do it that way again? Of course. Um, but I don't think we're going to miss out on anything uh, because we did it last year and with less time to prepare. Okay. So you mentioned the combine. That's a really important part um, generally of the off season. Or is it? I guess that's my question. Um, you know, the 40 yards, that, that stuff is fun. And kind of, you know, for a Wednesday morning, if you've got nothing better to do over your cup of coffee, you know, watching some old linemen take some drills. But from a team perspective, I, I, my takeaway generally is the most important part of that entire week is the face-to-face interview, is the is t- talking to these people, understanding their background, understanding their intentions, and just getting a gut feeling on, you know, work ethic, all that, all that stuff. That's still going to happen, right? I mean, the Zoom calls are going to happen. So are we really missing that much outside of the TV show that is the Combine? I think there's... You hit the nail on the head there, right? Like the... What I can tell you is I remember going into the Combine last year, right? And and Justin Herbert started to have had a lot of the... Really, the only question marks about Justin were... He stayed in his hometown and he got labeled a mama's boy and he couldn't lead a team. I mean, all these things that were honestly ridiculous, right? And and I can recall leaving Senior Bowl and going, okay, the conversation is starting to change. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, the second that I left the combine, it was a complete change of direction from the conversation that I heard from front offices and head coaches in the NFL about Justin Herbert and his attitude. And that completely came not from, you knew he had an arm, you knew everything that he could show you, but it came from the time that they spent with him. Right. And I know that the zoom calls are still going to happen, right? That is still going to be a part of this process. Yes. Is, is it the same as being face to face? No. Is it the best version we're going to get? Absolutely. Right. Um, I still hope for some of the, the guys on the fringe that are so athletically gifted that use the combine as an opportunity to showcase that I still am hopeful that they'll just tell everyone like, listen, it's NFL personnel and players only. Everybody's going to get tested. Everybody else is out. No fans, no media, no, you know, and everybody can watch it on TV. Like they normally do anyways. That way there is an opportunity for some of these guys that, you know, they train for six weeks to go showcase a crazy 40, a cr- you know, I think of, you know, mo- big moments that, you know, maybe it doesn't impact every person, but there's definitely a lot of guys who have an opportunity to showcase this- themselves, especially for the guys that didn't get to play this year. Right. I think that's the mm-hmm. really unfortunate part is, you know, like a Trey Lance, right. That's a guy I know people want to see at the combine that, I mean, it just, it, it, it's going to be where it has more impact than ever before. So is it, you know, is it going to be make or break? No, because they're still going to do the agreement with you. That is the single most important thing that I hear every year from the coaching staffs and the GMs and the scouts that they leave knowing, okay, I got a much better feel for this player um, than they did coming in. Okay. So, um, I mean, you guys and gals over there are doing this 365, 24-7. So, that's why I love to bring somebody from your network in, quite frankly, especially this time of year, because there's so much speculation that's now going to start to ramp up and agents speak and players speak and parents speak. And it's all, it all kind of floods <laughs> us and you have to filter it, but it's hard to do it. Um, we're just living in that kind of world right now. You mentioned Justin Fields. So I guess we, we have to, we're, it's obligated, right? We have to talk about this. 
yeah, you know, the Jets had the slam dunk. They were the number one for God, 11, 12 weeks, and then they blew it. And that's fine because I'm not sure they need a quarterback anyway. So answer that question right there. Are the Jets going to take a quarterback? Should they take a quarterback or are they going to be a real franchise here and actually try to fill 10 holes instead of just throwing a bandaid on top? I am a, so let's, it's two answers, right? Because what I, what I think should happen is not what the Jets are most likely going to do. Right. Because I just, not a good start. You know, (laughs) like I, I just, I, there is a lifetime, my entire lifetime, right. Of watching the Jets where I know that ownership has a lot of involvement and they haven't made the right decisions and they've mismanaged and hired the wrong coaches and hired the wrong people. And as we sit here right now recording, I don't know who that's going to be yet. So my assumption is I'm going to go off the 31 years of my lifetime that I've watched them not do good, not do well. Right. I'm not going to all of a sudden think that they're going to figure it out. So my assumption is that they are going to draft a quarterback that they are going to draft one of Justin Fields or potentially a Zach Wilson. If I was then, I would not do that. I would keep Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. I would trade a King's ransom to somebody else to have somebody else come up. I would acquire many more draft picks, um, potentially, you know, make a, a big move to, that makes sense for your franchise and, and understand that you still have a young quarterback who I think can have success in this league with a proper head coach and a real roster. I, I, I mean, that's, that's the, and, and somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. How many times do we have to watch Adam Gase have players leave him and become better? I mean, how many examples of that do we have? Right. So I just, as, as somebody who I understand the jets is a, I feel for you, right? I'm a Chicago girl, right? I get it. Chicago, New York, they should have, we should have great football. We deserve it. We're tough cities. And it's, and it's like, man, we earned that. Guess what? You've got a lifetime of your franchise not doing it well. So I wish I could tell you that they're going to do the right thing. I just don't think that they're going to. Now, that doesn't mean that Justin Fields can't be a superstar. I just think the alternative solution is better, right? Because you acquire more picks. You have a better opportunity to flip this roster. You have somebody who I think can still play and win in this league. Yeah. And I don't know that Justin Fields is a surefire thing. I don't feel that way. I very well can be wrong, but I don't think any talent evaluator is going to tell you Justin Fields 100% is that dude. They feel that way about Trevor, nobody else coming out of this draft. That's well said. Here's what I'm worried about. Let's take it to the next step because they could just sit there and take Devonta Smith. And that's just the worst. It's just the worst. Here's the point I, I like to make with this conversation. And I've made it a couple years in a row now. The Browns didn't start to become the Browns until they traded that pick that was supposed to be Carson Wentz. They, they, they continually annually tried to say, let's just take another quarterback. That's going to fix our problem. And then the one year they didn't, the one year they said, let's get out of here and, and didn't take Carson Wentz, everything started to trend upward because they had eight players over the next two years that they were able to draft. Free agency started to look a little better. They just sort of sat back and let things happen. And then they were ready for a quarterback in Baker Mayfield. The Jets aren't ready for a quarterback, whether it's Sam Darnold or anybody. I mean, Matthew Stafford can't come in and fix this team right now. It's just not possible. That's exactly right. And and you, you bring up such good points because I think people, people so often do not understand like, yes, the quarterback position is exceptionally important, but as, as, as important as that is the system 
the coach, right. the development, the players, everything around them matters. If you think that Patrick Mahomes, okay, because this is a perfect example, right? Because I am a Chicago girl and I know this. Chicago does not have a track record of developing anyone at the quarterback position ever in the history of the franchise. Okay. So if you think that Patrick Mahomes with the, th- with the issues that he had coming out of college gets drafted to Chicago and plays right away and is the same player as the one we see now, I have a house to sell you on oceanfront property in <laughs> Iowa. Okay. I'm telling you that is not happening. It's not happening. Okay, because staying behind Alex Smith for an entire year and learning from one of the best offensive coaches we've ever seen is not the same. And that is why organizations continue to stay in the mediocrity or, as I have called Chicago, purgatory, because you're stuck in this middle road where you actually haven't decided to reset and you're really not a contender. Right. And it's the worst. You're sitting at an eight and eight where you're you you win enough to buy in. But the people that actually know. You, can, you know that team's not good enough to win a Super Bowl. They're just not. And that's that's that position. And, and the Jets are even worse off because the, if they don't make the right choice here, they can really set themselves back. And I think if they did a Cleveland-esque type of thing where they acquired a lot of picks, they'd be able to get this roster to a point where they could compete. But right now there's too many holes. It's not You're not a quarterback away from this team competing. That's just not happening. No, I completely agree. And, and look, there's there are other ways to go about this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Colts didn't expect Andrew Luck to retire in the middle of their yeah. window, and yes. they're not long for it. Uh, you, you can figure it out. Uh, and, and oh, by the way, more and more now, these veteran quarterbacks are going to become available. So if seventy five percent of your team looks pretty darn good, and really what you need is an upgraded quarterback, San Francisco, Indy, <laughs> you know, there's mm-hmm. teams like that that exist now. There there are back channel ways to fix the quarterback position now where that didn't exist maybe six years ago. That just wasn't a thing. You didn't move on from franchise guys like, like we're seeing happening over the past two years. So it's just not, it's not, it's reckless to me if the jets go and do that. Now what's more concerning and you started to say with the system, you know, new coach, new coordinators, new system coming in. Is that front office going to be smart enough to fit whoever they hire to Sam Darnold, or is it going to be, we're going to sit down a month after being hired and say, you know what? I don't think the Sam Darnold kid's going to fit what I want to do. And they're going to be forced into that quarterback. So there's so many moving parts and that's just life in sports, I guess. And this is the kind of stuff you guys track over there. So yeah, hit me with it. Let's, sure. let's do a little quick promo for the draft network because it's the tools have been getting better and better every year. Um, I know the mock draft system is one of the best out there. Kind of lay, lay it out for us. Lay it out for the listeners. Uh, you know, what can they get? The premium subscription, the free subscription. What, what are the goods? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I appreciate that. You know, you can go to the draftnetwork.com. Most of, you know, 80% of the content is, is free and available to everybody for our premium members. Obviously, you get kind of features inside of the mock draft machine. So uh, the free simulations do not have trades in them. If you are a premium member, you get the ability to trade uh picks this year future picks which is always a a a fun exercise for people to understand right because they want to trade the farm and then we have a little indicator at the bottom based off of gm tendencies like hey it's a red bar or a yellow bar or a green bar kind of like a madden simulation where you could see okay it's more likely to go through or less likely to go through so we've had a lot of fun with that we've got some 
really exciting features coming uh, the beginning of February that I will tease here uh, that I'm that I'm very excited about coming inside the the mock draft machine and you know it's now more than ever before it felt like oh okay we're gonna see Trevor. Uh, in a Jets uniform at one and then it flipped on us, you know, with a month left of the NFL season, which was really fun. So, you know, go inside there. You can make you can make your picks. You can tell your GM you're better. I do this routinely to Ryan Pace, so don't feel bad. Um, you can do it to anybody. So, it's you know, feel free to, t- to send me your, uh, you know, your seven round mock and say, hey, I, I know how to fix the Jets because you know what? You might be able to, to, to convince me that you could do a better job than they've done over the last decade plus. Is it too early for you to have any data on what people are doing in terms of the 2021 draft? Like, for instance, can you answer the question, which team are, are people expecting to trade up more? Ooh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think I can definitely pull that information. I haven't done it as of right now. What I have been seeing a lot of just based off of, I get tagged in these and so does the rest of our staff. Like our social is constantly like grade my mock draft, right? Like that's all it's San Francisco by a long shot. Right. And it's, it is San Francisco moving up to get a quarterback San Francisco and their fan base has fallen in love with the idea of moving up and giving Kyle the opportunity uh, to groom and have his own quarterback. And man, just from a fan perspective, like I just, I root for, you know, I, I've said a bunch of times, I grew up in Chicago, but I root for like the best to be the best, right? And Kyle is one of the best. And I would absolutely love to see him get the opportunity to kind of hand select somebody that's his guy, right? That comes out of the draft, that's his guy as a head coach. You know, I don't want to see Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. I'm done. Like, I don't even need to see Jimmy G anymore. Like, it was nice. Say la vie. Like, pick a new quarterback. Dial it in. Put this team on the map again. There's so much to like on that roster. They suffered so many injuries. Let's flip the script and get a, I don't know, Zach Wilson? That's who San Francisco fans are all dialed into. Really? So I love seeing, I have loved seeing that. They are all aboard Zach Wilson trade on the mock draft machine. That is by far and away what I have seen the most. So is that not going to two then you think? No, it's yeah, they, they move up to two, right? So the, the King's ransom that I talk about with, with the New York jets, that's the flip. They flip with San Francisco. They make that move and they trade up to get Zach Wilson. Wow. Okay. So, so there's going to be growing sense here that Justin Fields falls. I've seen it now in a yes. few mocks. I mean, we're, yep. this is a real thing, right? Like, like, are we talking mm-hmm. out of the top 10? Because I'm looking at the draft order right now. I guess Detroit may, may not let him slip past, but man, you're right. Uh, this could be, he could be out of the top five pretty darn easily here. It's the, you know, the interesting thing is it depends, right? You always look at where we are, but then you have to assume that we know as it happens every year, yeah. right? these teams do not stand, but they don't stand pat and wait for these guys to fall to them. Right. They don't do that. Right. They go and they, and they, (laughs) we're going to talk about your bears. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like they trade the Kings ransom to get up, to get the quarterback that they like, because at the end of the day, it's the most important position and people are willing to take a chance. Right. So I don't think that there's any, I don't, as, as it stands right now in January, I don't think there's any way that Justin Fields would fall out of the top 10 okay. because I think you're looking at a scenario where you're looking at like a Falcons team, right? That might be looking at, you know, okay, what are we going to do moving forward? Um, you know, what are, what are some Carolina is looking at a scenario where they're going, okay, are we going to sit somebody because we don't know if Teddy's the right guy moving forward? I don't think Trey Lance 
four. I think we there's a scenario in which four quarterbacks go in the top ten because that's that's just that's just where we are, right? That's what this is what people do every year. I say, sit back, wait, let it, and it never happens. They everybody <laughs> goes in, they all go through the quarterbacks, and I get it. I can't fault them, but I just feel like it's a it's a losing proposition unless you're looking at somebody that you can like guarantee, which the only person you can really make that argument for, you know, is Trevor Lawrence. Real quickly, before we move on to the bears, as I mentioned, uh, you know, the running back conversation gets uglier every year. It was kind of an okay (laughs) year though for running backs, especially young running backs. Um, I think, you know, the, the top four or five running backs drafted really made a name for themselves, especially lately on here with, with, with Dobbins in Baltimore you know, are, are, do you get the sense that it's just not good business anymore to be a first round running back in terms of what teams need or, you know, or Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, are they such slam dunks that as a weapon, as a total weapon, you know, the overpay from the first round contract is, is worth it? I think depending on the scenario, right? If you're a, a team that let's call it the, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, right? They're mm-hmm. at the mid, midway point of the draft, they're at 16. You know, they're, they had Kenyon Drake for a year. You know, they got Chase Edmonds, but neither of those guys is like, wow, that's a great running back, right? Like, I think with Kyler on his rookie deal still, and you get a running back in who's on that midway point of the draft, you use them for the rookie deal, and then you don't pay them, right? Like, I hate saying that because I like these dudes getting paid, but man, how, how many of these guys do we got to watch? I mean, look at Saquon. Christian McCaffrey. I mean, and I was the only, like the only exception to that rule was I was like, Carolina, you need to face your franchise. I get it. But, but then the guy who never got hurt didn't play most of the season. Right. And it's like, man, it's a tough pill to swallow. Joe Marino, who works for us at the draft network, he is, he is absolutely, he has convinced me over two to three years, somebody who will argue about running backs and playing defense because Walter Payton and all the great Matt Forte and all the great running backs, he is team do not pay running backs. And I have absolutely 100% come around because man, when you got a UDFA, like James Robinson doing what he's doing, I mean, it's like, you just, you can't, you can't make the argument. Otherwise, I don't think Uh, I, I, I don't see a scenario in which it makes sense when there's these many guys coming out year after year, you know, that are playing a part that you can just get in the draft and you can get them between, you know, late first round to fourth round or in Jacksonville's case, a UDFA and you got a top 10 running back. I mean, that's not going to happen all the time, but I think you can take the chance at that position. And unfortunately for the guys, if I was, uh, if I had a kid and he was wanting to play, I'd be like, yeah, maybe not running back, maybe something else, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe a different position for a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. Uh, how about, exactly, how about learn how to right? hit a curveball, by the way? <laughs> way, yes. way easier way, way to make money. Um, yes. All right. So I, I, I'll just say this. I, I think the days of Saquon and Zeke getting drafted top five, that's done. That, that's 100% done. I don't care what yeah. kind of weapon you are. Uh, there's just too much value 25 to 50 picks later. So I, I'll just say that as a parting shot. Okay. So we've established that David Montgomery is not getting paid. Yes. Let's talk about some other situations happening with your beloved bears. By the way, still on board? Uh, still on board. Okay. Um, 
kind of, I oh, guess. Oh um, no. Oh no. Yes. I, mean, I was going to say bears, they speak at like 10 o'clock this morning. So by the time we get done recording this, there may even be news about what is going on with the bears brass. So I'm always on board with the, with the, with the team because that's where my heart is. Right. Um, am I on board with current, uh, organization? Absolutely not. No chance. <laughs> Okay, so I went. I got on this show two days ago and basically said, "I kind of get it. I get what's happening here." And the Pagano retirement didn't shock me, but I was anti, anti coach, anti Matt Nagy. I assume you yeah. are too. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, anybody close to this team? Not that I am. I've just done t- en- enough homework and enough eyeball tests on this. It just seems like, si- honestly, similar to Doug Peterson with Carson Wentz, that there was a disconnect. And it's a lot easier right now just to move on from the coach. And I understand that, that that changes a lot of things, but I don't think that's going to happen in the next five, 10 minutes here when that press conference happens. It sounds like they're going to keep that, that core intact. So something else has to fall. Is that going to be Trubisky? Uh, you know, we're, we've been talking quarterbacks here. There's a lot of NFL quarterback talk to have as well. This is maybe one of the more interesting ones because... You know, similar to the Adam Gase conversation. I know where you were going. You were going Tannehill, who leaves Adam Gase's arms and becomes a more than adequate quarterback to the point of almost thirty million a year, perennial, you know, second round playoffs from for the most part. You know, is there a chance that Trubisky has that in him after all that's been given up and now the the multiple coaching staffs that have tried to fix him? I think when I'm totally honest with myself, right, and I look at what is what is the smart decision here, right? So you look at the you look at all the scenarios. They're not in a position to make a pick that's gonna that um, do not come at me with Kyle Trask or no. Mac Jones. No, thank you. No, thank you. You're not gonna. You're not. That is not. You cannot tell me that that is better than Mitchell Trubisky with a with a straight face. You do not know that. Nobody does. That could be true, but there is more likely scenario that is that that is not true, right? I do have a ton of connections to the team, um, current and past uh, players. What I would say is there is a lot of faith from players in Mitch. Mm-hmm. There is not a lot of faith in Matt Nagy. That is a problem for me. It's been a problem for me for the last two years. There are organizations, let's enter the Ravens here, who understand when you draft a quarterback, you build an offense that best utilizes the assets that your quarterback has, what your quarterback does well. If you know anything about Mitchell Trubisky, you know that Mitch is a very athletic runner. I have no idea why (laughs) I continue to yell at the television week after week after week. I don't care who it's Bill Lazor or Matt Nagy. The play calling is still not built around what Mitch does best. They are still trying to square peg, round hole, a scenario that makes no sense. It just doesn't make any sense. And I don't care. I get that he went, you know, 12 and four, eight and eight, eight and eight. And I played the scenario out. I said, listen, the Bears are going to win enough games, right? They're talented enough that Matt Aggie's going to keep his job and probably Ryan Pace too. And that is why the Bears are in purgatory. That's what I said. And, and I believe that because you are in a position now where they didn't lose enough that they're actually going to make any changes. And I believe the changes that need to be made based off the conversations that I have had that make logical most sense with the current cap situation and the current draft capital is to keep Mitch, try and make some logical moves to put pieces around him and build an offense that makes sense for what he does best. 
And that includes moving away from Matt Nagy and bringing in a coach who understands what you're trying to do. They're not going to do that. That's what I would do. But they're not going to do that because they are not a well-run organization. They've never have been since I've been alive. They got lucky and gifted into the 1985 team, which was before I was alive, because they had the best roster that that period maybe of all time. And that roster should have won multiple Super Bowls if your organization was run run well and wasn't right. So I think you that's that's where the scenario sits. It's the only team in Chicago I haven't seen win a win a Super Bowl or win a championship. And I unless Theo Epstein who left the Cubs is going to come run the bears. Okay. <laughs> of which I would sing hallelujah from the top of every mountain that would allow me there. That's the only scenario that I see playing out, fixing this bears organization. And until that happens, um, I think we're stuck in purgatory bears hands. I'm sorry to tell you. It's an interesting situation. And I, I don't, I don't just bring the bears up because you're on the show, although that's certainly a reason to do it. The fact that they made that move for Khalil Mack, uh, it still resonates with me for a lot of reasons. But uh, you know what you're saying is dead on. I say it till I'm blue in the face that if you're if you're not good, be terrible, right? Because if, yeah. sorry, if you're not great, be terrible. Because being in the middle abs- it just gets you nowhere. It gets you it gets you cornerbacks in the draft. That's what it gets you. Um, <laughs> exactly. Right. You know how this works. So did 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 the Mac and the defense? You know, it probably wins them three games a year, that defense. Minimum three games a year, mm-hmm. knowing what they can't do on offense. Did, did it set the team back? Was it the wrong move now in hindsight 2020? Or just is having that defense mean you're so much closer to being good, you know, really good at some point? Do you understand what I'm saying from a team building perspective? Yeah, I totally agree. Where does that come off for you? The, the problem for me is I think that's the right move had they had the right coach with Mitch in play, okay. right? That's the problem for me is I don't think that anytime you can get one of the best at what I would consider the two, like on the defensive side, a pass rusher or a quarterback, I think you do it, right? And I like that move and I like it now because I understand how valuable Khalil Mack is on that side of the ball. Knowing everything that exists, yes, it's in a vacuum right now when I'm looking at it, it's not a good move because it puts he's so good and that defense is so good that they have masked how bad the offense is, right? And they haven't been, they haven't bottomed out like they really needed to, but they have enough, like you look at this offense and you're like, okay, even last year with David Montgomery and Allen Robinson and Ant, like all these pieces. And then they get, you know, they draft the Darnell Mooney this year, who I loved and had came on like, you know, so well as a fifth round guy, you look at this and you go, okay, what am I missing here? Right. And it's, to me, it has been the right coaching staff this entire time. And I know that that sounds crazy when you're talking about a guy who went 12 and four, eight and eight, eight and eight. I get that. But I, you have to understand that the offense benefited from the fact that the defense was so exceptional that really it was, you know, probably a eight win team, a six win team and like a five win team. But the defense was like a 10, mm-hmm. 10, 16. So it, it evened them out, right? Like it, it brought them up. And, you know, if you had a competent above competent middle of the road offense, all of these years, you're competing. Bottom line, you are competing. If you have a game manager, if you have a, a a Jimmy G or a Jared Goff with a competent 
coach, right? If Sean McVay is the head coach of the Chicago Bears in the 2018 season, I'm I'm convinced that team is going to the Super Bowl because I watched that team kick the shit out of the LA Rams. I did. I watched it in Chicago in that 2018 year. Todd Gurley, Jared Goff came in and the Bears defense completely shut that team down, right? And obviously we all know the double doink, right? We all know that the, 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 the joke that keeps on giving. But to your question, I don't think the Khalil Mack trade was bad because I think he is so excellent and he has made that team so good on that side of the ball and has impacted that so much. He's still so young. The problem is they didn't make the moves to correlate with that to make the offense elevate, right? And so now, of course, you can look at it and go, it's a bad trade because it has elevated that team, that side of the ball, to mask the offense. And that's the problem. That's fair. And, and you know, to both of our discontent, the the Bears just announced both GM and coach are coming back next year. Um Perfect. So let's finish. As, 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 as expected, <laughs> right? Saying, as expected. I know. I'm sending you off miserable here. Uh, so let's <laughs> let's finish on this then. The reverse question to everything we just said. So now coach is coming back. It's a coach that has not been able to get the best out of Trubisky, not even close, based on what you and I both think about him, you know, at least at least a competent game manager, just in the wrong system. So why does Mitch come back? If they offer him the Ryan Tannehill, Tennessee incentive laden deal, right? The one for seven that could become a 12 or whatever it's going to be. Why does Mitch come back? Why doesn't he go shopping? I, I think he should go. Yeah. Right. I, I, I think what's best for him and what's best for the bears are not the same thing. Um, I don't, I don't believe that to be true now that I can get, now that I know we're certain that Matt Nagy is going to be calling the plays, right. And, and being the coach, I, I just, I don't believe that Matt Nagy can check his ego at the door and build an offense for somebody. That's not what he wants to do. I do not believe that to be true. And what he wants to do and what Mitch are good at are not the same things. That is the problem. And so I think that what is best for Mitch is for Mitch to explore opportunities with, you know, another head coach, man, it'd be fun to see what he could do with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, yep. man. I, yep. I, I think that is a absolute home run with very little risk for Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I think that is, that becomes increasingly very, very interesting to me. That's that situation has been, has been very interesting to me for a long time because as much as I love Chicago, I root for the players, man. I always have. I, I played sports my whole life. I root for players to have success because I don't think it's fun to watch people fail. Um, so I want for Mitch, I think the best opportunity for him to have success is for him to go elsewhere. So I hope for him that he gets an opportunity to go kind of hit the reset button, much like Sam Darnold, I think needs that opportunity as well with the right coach that believes in him and can build something for him. Um, I hope they both get that opportunity. And I think, man, this off season could chalk up to be the craziest one yet with so many quarterbacks that could be on the move. You know, you got some of these, you know, aging veterans like a Stafford and a Matt Ryan that could mix things up and make things look interesting. I mean, and all the quarterbacks, obviously we talked about at the top uh, with the draft. So, you know, I hope for Mitch, he gets to go somewhere else. And because I said that, I'm sure the bears will end up retaining him. He stays and, you know, we're in purgatory and Mitch is in purgatory for the rest of time. Uh, she's at, at the underscore sports page on Twitter. She's the CEO of the draft network. It's the draft network.com. 
Get yourself a premium subscription. It's the right time of year to do it. Create your mock drafts, make your trades, bring the Bears up from the 20th pick to somewhere else to get a better player because I think they're losing QB1, WR1, TE1 minimum this offseason. So I don't know. That's a fun team to watch for sure. It's a lot of movement, as you mentioned. It's going to be a good offseason. The Draft Network certainly the place to go. Paige, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. And you know, to to parting shot, Allen Robinson, do not sign Gone. back to the Bears, man. Dolphins. Gone. Please, go, please, for the <laughs> love of God, dude. I want for you so desperately to just have a competent quarterback. Yeah. As much as I love seeing in you and your Bears uniform, as I said, uh, I root for the players. And the best thing for Allen is to say, say la vie, Chicago. I am going to go play with a competent quarterback. Okay? Keep your head up, Paige. <laughs> I'll try, man. I'll try. We'll talk soon. Bye. All right. My thanks to Paige. Again, that's the underscore sports page on Twitter. She's a great follow. My thanks to The Athletic. Check out theathletic.com slash Botrek. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription and olbg.com, the online betting guide. Learn a little bit, get a little better, compete in free contests for cash prizes. My name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast. <laughs>